Hello, friends. Welcome to another edition of the SomaCast. I'm Landon Witsit, executive of the Synod of Mid-America. With me, as always, is our capable co-host, Brian Ellison, the state of clerk of the Synod. Brian, how are you? I am good, Landon. How are you today? I am great. It has stopped raining here in Kansas City. You know that. You also live in Kansas City. I'm excited for the sun. Indeed. Uh, the sun is beautiful today, and uh, we there was a, there's a park not far from my house uh, that people yesterday were actually out canoeing on. They uh, that's what? that's a pandemic response to uh, to a bit of rain, but uh, they, it had formed a lake in Gillum Park here in Kansas City. That's outstanding. Yeah, yeah. I just bake bread. I'm not going to do the canoeing thing. That's not where I. That's not where I'm at. I I think that's um, you should stick to where where your gifts and your calling lie. <laughs> Are you going to go get a canoe? Uh, no, that is also not where my gifts and calling lie. I, I'm telling you, I would love to see you in a canoe. That would be one of my, that, that's a that's a life goal for me right now. There, there actually is a famous story of my partner and, and I, uh, a kayaking, a two-person kayaking outing that um, was very nearly the end of our relationship uh, quite early. Uh, and, and perhaps you can, you can just fill in the, the blanks and use your imagination. It's one of my favorite stories. Okay, we're not going to make you relive that trauma. Thank you. <laughs> because we have more important things I to do. I don't need that. No, you don't. We have more important things to do today, and those important things involve talking to our guests. Friends, we are excited to welcome uh, this week uh, the Reverend Jamie Butcher, who is uh, the Associate Pastor uh, for Discipleship and Formation at, oh my gosh, I completely forgot which church you at, First Presbyterian in Atlanta? First Presbyterian yep. in Atlanta. Jamie, thanks so much for taking time to be with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Good. Yeah, you're our, our friend Aisha, who we spoke with last week, and uh, and your head of staff, Tony, both uh, you are you come highly recommended. So, uh, so you've got a bar that you need to clear is what I'm trying to tell you. I can't let them down. I got <laughs> <No>. it. <laughs> <laughs> so friends, we decided uh, to ask Jamie to join us today because uh, one of the things that Jamie is responsible there, uh, for there at First Pres is running um, a small groups ministry, uh, helping the, the, the members of that congregation uh, journey together uh, in, in intimate ways. And we considered that in this time after pandemic, when we still don't have a vaccine and there are still these social distancing regulations in place, one of the things that's going to be a reality for us is that groups of 10 or less is going to be the norm for a long time. And there are folks such as Jamie who are already thinking through and have already thought through how to help small groups of people um, be together, disciple one another, be discipled, and, and grow spiritually. And we thought this is, this is a great wealth of wisdom that we've got that the rest of us are going to need to know. So, uh, Jamie, we're excited to hear what you and your colleagues and the members that you all serve have been, uh, have been thinking about. Um, uh, we, we know that Georgia was one of the first places uh, to start the, the opening up, so I'm sure you all are already having those kinds of conversations. Are you all are you all already coming back to some sort of in-person something or other? Um, we are not. We have a put a task force together that's composed of members of the congregation who have expertise in these areas, um, doctors, some public health people, pediatrician. Uh, we're in Atlanta, so there are CDC folks, you know, everywhere. So we're very... Uh, lucky to have those people who are part of a team that are working to offer um, recommendations for our return 
and they have a pretty exhaustive list of what they're looking at in order for us to get back together on campus. We are doing some, um, some small groups that are meeting kind of on the back porch of somebody's house if they want to. There's possibility of outdoor worship in July, but um, by and large, we're waiting on the recommendations of that task force and won't be back together until August at least. In Georgia, we're also still under, um, if you're in a vulnerable class, you're still under shelter in place. So you're still um, restricted. I'm curious, uh, Jamie, if people are reacting uh, particularly uh, negatively to this, uh, this idea that they need to stay apart, obviously the folks who are uh, more involved in uh, the, the world of public health probably have a, a deeper understanding of that. But in a lot of our churches ar around here, even well-meaning folks, even people who are generally thoughtful about the needs of the community, they are still chomping at the bit to, to get back together and in many cases are, are making choices to try to, I don't know, kind of push those boundaries. Are, are, are you finding that as well? Um, there's, there are a variety of responses with the churches in Atlanta, as I'm sure you can understand. I think within our congregation, people are, are open to the recommendations of these experts. So we've been lucky in that way. Plus, we're a larger church and we have continued to provide tons of ministry, whether that's virtually or through our um, live streaming. We have some audio visual staff that have just been incredibly helpful. We've continued with our community ministries, although in a reduced form. So in a lot of ways, we have continued to operate, even if it looks differently. Um, and I know we're lucky to be able to do that because uh, we are a larger church. And so it's not all falling on any one person's plate. And I think that's helped people be more patient as we're waiting to hear from these folks with their expertise. We also have a number of folks who are in the vulnerable classes, you know, 65 plus or people with underlying health conditions. Right. So um, they're aware intimately of what it might mean to come back too soon. Yes. Uh, and this, at least I, I'm in Kansas City, but I, I see the stuff that you all are producing. I just watched the, uh, the sermon that Aisha preached during the midweek service uh, the other day. I mean, what a, what a gift to be able to, to see good preachers, good ministers from all across the country, uh, specifically Atlanta. This is, that's been, I think, one of, the, one of the beauties of this time. You know, God makes a way out of horrible situations. And that has certainly been for me. Uh, one of the one of the beautiful things that God has done. So in addition to this task force, what are the other ways that you and the staff and the members are thinking about um, uh, approaching this coming back? Do you, do you have a list of criteria? Um, I know that that various health departments, certainly the CDC has put things out. What are, what are some specific things that you all are doing? Well, our task force does have a list of things they're looking for. Um, I am not on that task force, so I can't speak to their conversations, but what they have published are some metrics around um, gating guidelines, insurance, and compliance. Did you, did you say dating guidelines? Gating. Oh, oh, my, yeah. my mistake. Sorry, not dating <laughs> guidelines. That's totally a different department in the right. In the that, that's structure. usually that's only a different two podcast. People, so, uh, <laughs> right, okay, different right. podcast. Easier. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, 
operational logistics and and programming so what it would actually look like as as well as communications and messaging and finances what it would operate what it would cost to operate you know with additional masks and hand sanitizer at our um, regular capabilities so um we are you know in a brave new world and it is certainly a transitional time where what comes next is not something that any of us have really seen or lived through before. So a different time for sure. I, I'm, I know I'm curious. Um, I, you, your ministry obviously works with, um, with small groups uh, and uh, kind of discipleship. And a particular aspect of this, this moment is that uh, we can't gather as the, the large group that a lot of us identify most closely with as church. It's when we all get together on usually on Sunday morning, sing hymns, listen to a sermon that is church for so many people. But, but you have long before this been uh, representing the idea that church is actually um, where two or three are gathered. It is, it is where these small groups meet. I guess I'm curious how this time of, sort of forcing us to meet in nothing larger than a small group um, is, is intersecting with your sense of call to ministry and the work that you've been doing a long time. Yeah, that's great. I um, love doing small group ministry. I love the intimacy and the relationships. I love the opportunity to listen that comes to pastors and leaders when they're in smaller groups. So I am excited for folks who may be engaging in smaller group ministry in ways that they haven't before. I think it's incredibly fruitful and will be meaningful time, particularly as we're coming out of such a traumatic season for our community together. And um, I, I have some tips for folks who might find themselves in smaller groups. I will say I have enjoyed uh, the Zoom life of small groups immensely. I really have. I've enjoyed almost all of our groups just transferred to Zoom, you know, with maybe a little extra technological help to get people on board. But um, I, the one thing that I have really enjoyed, and I've told my groups this and kind of laughed about it, is the mute all button. I mean, what <laughs> That's power. my favorite button as a host, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so now, um, you know, efficiency won't come quite as easily when we return in person. But um, I do have some tips that I think uh, people can use. And mm -hmm. also, I hope they'll enjoy being in smaller groups. When you are on these Zoom calls, um, have you found that you've had an increase in participation? I know that in a lot of, in a lot of cases, pastors are saying that certainly for Sunday morning worship, um, there's an increase in participation. Um, are you finding that in your groups as well? Yes, we certainly when we were um, all under stay-at-home orders, kind of at the beginning of the crisis, I had people really were looking for connection and were eager to get back to being with their neighbors, even if it was virtual. So we had incredible participation. Now in Georgia, we have been off of um, stay-at-home orders, for, unless you're in the vulnerable class, for um, I think around four weeks. And I do think attendance has dipped um, now that people are traveling a little more. And um, 
another thing that I saw that was incredible and to see virtually, and I think related to this particular situation of pandemic is when we created content that was specific to the reality of this season, we also got great turnout. I'm doing um, an Enneagram small group that wraps up next week on in the Enneagram and stress and have folks from Ohio, uh, South Carolina, uh, of course, Georgia, Tennessee. So that's been exciting to see these, even these smaller group offerings expand to friends and neighbors and people who just got tagged on the post on Facebook. Yeah. When you, you said you have um, uh, tips, specific tips for, for small group ministry on, on, in this age, in Zoom, for example. I, you know, I've, uh, in fact, we've even shared videos from the Synod. I've given a lot of lessons on tips for using Zoom in presbytery meetings and congregational meetings and how to vote, how to do those things. I'm curious, is that the kind of tips you mean? You have like logistical tips for what makes a small group work on Zoom that maybe you wouldn't think about if it were a, a, a in real life meeting? I think so. Um, although, honestly, I think these tips work for Zoom or they work for smaller group gatherings in real life. Just some ways to structure your meeting that I found, um, because this is my primary ministry area, have found to be really helpful. And when I'm thinking about a small group, I do have like a working definition. And what I think of with the small group is that you know, it's anywhere between six and 20 people. So not necessarily small. I mean, 20 is not that small. And I've even had up to 25. But um, the idea that these are groups that are approaching faith formation through study, through prayer, but emphasis is placed on lay leadership and on a commitment to the group. So I think it really is a different experience as a leader. You're really approaching the organization and the structure and the format and the content dip content differently if you're thinking of it as a group that encourages uh, lay leadership, commitment, that's remembering the prayer life and the um, well-being of the individuals rather than delivering content as some of the larger group lectures might, which I enjoy those too. But for me, the real, um, I encounter God so clearly and easily in those small groups. Well, and also just how many uh, pastors right now feel like they've become television producers um, and had, it's been all about how do I deliver the content that everyone expects of me? Um, but you're, you're thinking about it through a very different lens, which I think might be beneficial to those pastors as well. Good. Yeah, it, it really feels like it, this, this will give us an opportunity. And, and when I say us, those of us who are ordained to the Ministry of Word and Sacrament, teaching elders, the opportunity to really do some of that teaching and equipping uh, the, the, the congregation members uh, under our care. Um, I mean, we know. I, I, I spoke to a friend of mine the other day um, who is a ruling elder uh, at a local congregation. Uh, and he wanted to just let me know. He's like, here's what we've been doing on Sunday. And he talked me through the order of worship that he and his family go through. And I said, you're living out your ordination as an elder. I mean, that's exactly clearly, <laughs> clearly your pastor is teaching you well because you are living that out. And it feels to me like this, this is a really good opportunity maybe for the beginnings of this dismantling of the professionalization of the, what we call the clergy class. Amen. 
So when you got folks that are coming back in, um, you had really great participation on Zoom. You're starting to have some in-person uh, in meetings, albeit maybe small. Um, what do you do when, when you get back, especially when you, when you realize you've, you've had a really good experience on the Zoom? You don't, worry, you don't want to say, okay, well, that was great. We're done with that. Yeah. What do you do? How do you think through that? Sure. Um, I think first off, you know, follow the guidelines of your, um, you know, if there's a task force that's recommending or you're checking out CDC, you know, make sure that you're going to be safe. Uh, health and safety is priority. And I also think that um, an important question to ask when we do begin to gather is who is not there, who hasn't been able to attend in this format that you're now offering. And that could be for a number of reasons. Um, you know, uh, we are all going to have very personal and different experiences of this pandemic that is affecting people in racial and socioeconomic and um, able, you know, able, um, whether they're able-bodied or not, affecting them very differently. So there may be some people who are not comfortable showing up um, who you would need to just be mindful of. And again, this is a place where you can, um, encourage lay leadership to get involved. Uh, why aren't these people here? Why aren't um, the folks that we saw on Zoom or people that we might've seen last year, are they restricted because public transportation is, is restricted? Do they not have childcare? Um, have they been sick or caring for someone who's sick? So I think we just need to be mindful of those of us who are able to you know, get back to normal and are super jazzed to do that, of course, you know, not everyone is for a number of reasons. So in order to be the church that we are um, and to follow the God that we follow, we want to be mindful that everyone is invited to that table and we may not um, have made it possible for everyone to be there in our eagerness to get back if we can. So to just be aware of that, who isn't there as we're gathering? And kind of a flip side of that is I do think there's gonna be some new opportunities that new affinity groups will rise up out of this experience for people who have been um, restricted because they are living in an independent living center or retirement home. I mean, their experience is radical and different. And I imagine a group of those people together, you know, sharing about how their faith brought them through this, sharing about how, um, what was sad, what they lamented, and also how they grew. I imagine a, a group like that could get a lot of traction. Similarly, if there are people who have had an experience with COVID-19, whether that's themselves or with family members, uh, they're going to need to have a space, a sacred space, to share some of those stories. And I imagine some new affinity groups will pop up out of this experience. I, I'm curious about that, actually, and about um, just, and maybe for those who don't have kind of that that dramatic contact with with COVID-19, but but who, are there topics that come to mind to you, for you, that you see you, you may not just not return to working your way through Romans uh, in your small group. I mean, what what do you imagine might be the topical approach that some of these small groups take as they regather in light of what has happened? And and is it different than a, a pastor who's trying to decide on a sermon series, let's say, for when they return? How What are you thinking about? 
I, thanks for that question. I think that is really um, going to be an opportunity of this time. Um, and content is definitely something to think about. I would also say, uh, Outside of content, one of the most important things will be, and this is with whatever group you're engaging with, is that you structure your time with an opening check-in. Now, I know that can feel a little uncomfortable for a leader of a group who's thinking, you know, I wanna get, I, I wanna honor people's time and get out of here in an hour, and I don't have time to listen to, you know, the details of every person's individual experience. What but is this I, hour you speak of? I don't even, yeah. what is, what is time, Jamie? Time right. doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I know these, uh, and when you're coming off of the Zoom life where you really could run an efficient meeting um, with a click of a button, you know, but I do think it's going to be vitally important. We can get caught up as a church and we should be thinking about the metrics and the logistics and the movement and a return to safety and the liturgy and the singing. And we need to be thinking about that. But I come from a chaplaincy background, from a care background. And what we need to be thinking about the most is about our people and their uh, understanding of the presence of God in this time. And in order to do that, I think this ability for people to check in and share their stories is going to be um just life-changing during this season i mean typically when i run small groups you know that can run the gamut of some really heavy stuff or you know i got my hair cut and took my dog to the vet but this is a case where we're coming out of a significant season and our experience of it um, is going to be a story that we will want to share you know a grief shared is a grief healed is a uh, a quote that I don't know who to attribute to other than my CPE supervisor, but I think that's really true. We're mm -hmm. going to need to talk about this and right. something um, I also want to highlight is our experiences are going to be super different. Some people may have had a brush with death where they've been the sickest they've ever been in their life, whether they're, you know, 70 or 40 and other people will have been to the lake a bunch, you know? So we're gonna have really different experiences of this time, but I think it's gonna be important for us to allow the stories to be heard and to seek unity in Christ. One of the um, metaphors that's guiding me at this moment is thinking about how we encounter God in the stranger, right? And we see that in scripture um, from Jacob wrestling to the, uh, to the followers walking down the road of Emmaus and you know what isn't until they sit down with Jesus that they realize that's who it is that's been talking to them this whole way so we encounter God when we hear the stories of who we thought were strangers but then also this idea of, of making ourselves the other of allowing ourselves to feel strange so allowing uh, other people's experiences of this pandemic to be heard and if they're incredibly different than our own because of uh, race, socioeconomics, because of health issues, we need to put ourselves in a position of the other and trust that we will encounter God there as well. Um, Brian McLaren has a new book out that is talks about Muhammad and Buddha and Jesus crossing the road, something like this, interfaith relationships. And he talks about how Abram and Sarah's call, Abraham and Sarah's call, that initial pilgrimage is one of othering themselves. 
of putting themselves away from their family identity, away from Ur, away from their religious identity, and being ready to receive God. So I think that is going to be something that might feel hard for leaders. You know, if you're sitting in a room with somebody that you know has had, hasn't been out of their house because they were sick and they've been very careful and someone that you know has been um, to their mountain house 15 times, you know, and hanging out with their family that lives nearby. It can feel uncomfortable that we've had such different experiences, but I think we really need to encourage people to be ready to hear and to even be uncomfortable in feeling um, that their experience isn't the only one, that we've yeah. had different stories of this time. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that of the groups that I am responsible for facilitating, the ones who have had, I won't say the easiest time, but I think the ones who have, have shown a real resilience and strength during this time were the ones who already had a practice of checking in with one another every time they gathered. Uh, you know, I, I, I gather the groups of presbytery leaders in our synod. That's a practice that they have. That is a strong group. And they are, have been able to tackle this time in a way that they otherwise would not have because they know one another intimately. Um, they're able to ask about one another's moms, right? How's that kid doing? You were, you were a little sick there. How's that one church doing? They're able to do those things and they're able to come together. I really hope that that's something that we, that, that we really see as a benefit moving forward. Yeah, and there are some, some you know, Zoom tips on how to make that happen that we can carry forward when we aren't meeting virtually, whether that's the breakout rooms and you pair people for a monologue, yeah. um, or I like to use something called the repeating invitation, which is where you just give a sentence with a blank. So the, from last night, um, a group I led, we said, I, the place where I encounter God is blank. And you just repeat, one person repeats that invitation and the speaker answers. The first person says, thank you. And then repeats the invitation. The speaker answers, the other person says, thank you. So it's a way to allow the speaker to have more time kind of to focus on their response than a typical kind of conversational back and forth or even a monologue um, in such a directed way. But you also get to honor the person who's listening, who is asking the invitation, who is saying thank you for sharing. Um, so there are some, you know, things that we can play with as we get back together that we have explored while we're on Zoom. Yeah, I, I, honestly, this is this is so good, Jamie, because I think no, no pastor can can walk away from this this conversation and say they don't have any ideas for, I mean, you, you've given a year's worth of ideas for, uh, for discipleship groups or small groups to, to gather around. I guess I'm curious, I mean, not to, not to change the subject, we can say more about that, but, but what about you? You're a person in ministry at an incredibly challenging time. The stresses on you are maybe different than some of your colleagues who have different jobs, different pieces of the responsibility, but but how are you taking care of yourself? What is nourishing to you? How many small groups a week do you go to? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of small groups. Um, what, one of the things, though, that I really lean into, I'll, I'll get back to the more personal question, but, uh, sure. you know, is the lay leadership piece of these smaller groups? And I did uh, just pass off kind of the running of the show for one of the moms groups I do to um, some of the people who have been together now for over a year. You know, they can do it. They have the skills to do it and you can support them in doing that so that you're not feeling 
overwhelmed. And I think it's important too, that they're able to ask for prayer and to collect the prayer of others. Um, yeah. And I think personally, I mean, it's a tough season. I am, um, able to say that. I think that we are in this liminal phase in our world where we are being stripped bare of some of the things we relied on. And um, that's, um, quoting uh, St. Jerome, who talks about the desert as a place that strips us bare. And we are in a desert season, um, searching for new ways of encountering God. I think one of the ways that um, I have appreciated my uh, experience of this time is with my neighborhood, um, you know, it's interesting when your witness is not within your congregation and we're stuck at home. So this is who we're interacting with. But I have um, a friend who was terribly, terribly sick and um, was having some neurological responses to a virus in her body. She's still waiting on her test um, to come back. An initial one said it was negative for COVID, but um She's gotten some follow-up tests. Anyway, she sought me out and called me to pray with her in the evenings. Um, Her doctor, in fact, had told her, a a doctor friend had told her um, that what she really needed to do right now was to meditate and to take deep breaths and to pray. That was the medical response to this virus that is hard to understand medically. You know, it's hard to respond to medically. And I'm so grateful for the people who are out there trying to figure it out. But it is not something that the medical world has easy answers to. And we are collectively in a new season of uh, living with that reality that doctors don't always have the answers. Right. And one of the answers that we're actually hearing now is pray, is meditate. And it felt really good to me that she, knowing that I was a pastor, reached out to me to say, I don't pray, you know, but I want to, I need to, for my health, for my body, can you pray with me? And so um, Mm -hmm. I think there are ways that in this time of being stripped bare, God is showing up. Um, and I don't say that in a, a glib way because nobody wants God to show up when you're in pain and not right. sure if you're going to make it. I mean, that's right. not um, where anybody wants to be. But when, but it is sometimes um, only in the darkness that the light is shining clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've had more conversations with people about sitting down and shutting up and listening to God than I have any other kind of conversation and that and um, uh, recreation. Um, I mean, we used to talk about, it used to be in the book of order in the directory for worship that one of the means of grace was rest and recreation. So there's a place for this meditation, this prayer, but there's also a place for, I guess we could call it playing. So praying and playing. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I love the opportunity to give a shout out to our youth director at First Pres for a second, uh, Rachel Little. She's fantastic. And one of the things that she taught us, uh, our team, our faith formation team that does a lot of leads, a lot of small groups for a variety of demographics, was that her folks just wanted to play. So her kids had been on Zoom doing, uh, you know, online learning 
um, for hours each day. And so when she got with them, they wanted to play. Right. They were not going to do another Bible study, uh, another hour long academic thing for church. They just weren't going to do that. That's right. And, you know, she was a smart enough pastor. I told her that to recognize I'm going to put my content aside and I'm going to meet these kids where they are. And, you know, that's playing the silly. I don't even know. I don't know. You don't even want to know. Yeah. (laughs) But um, that was good learning for us all. And I do think there's going to be, that's going to be a piece of our return is just the desire to um, play and to be together and to Mm -hmm. enjoy being together. Yeah. Uh, So as we wrap up our time, uh, I'd love to know what, uh, what you've either read or listened to or seen lately that is giving you life uh, doesn't have to be a churchy thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you've given us a lot of churchy content. If yeah. you want to, you can, but I know you're a whole human being. Is there, is yeah. there something that uh, that's just, that's just given you life uh, lately that you would love to just have other people experience as well? Well, my son and my husband just received um, an old school Nintendo. So they're down there playing they're like this big they're tiny and they uh, have like all the old school games on it now wait is that giving you life because it's gotten your son and husband out of your hair or is that giving you life because you're playing nintendo yeah a little bit of both i think (laughs) um i mean i could be you know i was really good at completing super mario brothers too so i can't wait to try it again um but and i have also um you know, just enjoyed the music that's out there and um, have been do enjoying listening to the um, various videos that these choirs are putting together. It's just really neat. Some of the memes are hilarious. I mean, the meme game has is stepped way up during this. <laughs> I didn't think it could get any better. <laughs> I know. It's, it's awesome. Um, and also just being outside is really important to me. We have a nice walking path and that's been something that's great i did want to mention um one churchy book please that uh we're doing a small group on right now and i think it's been great um it's reverend paul lang he's presbyterian pastor in fargo north dakota but it's a new book called pilgrim's compass finding and following the god we seek and it's for small groups with small group discussion And it's a really good book. He talks about pilgrimaging in place. So the idea that we don't have to travel to a particular destination, although he takes up some of the history of pilgrimage, which is fascinating, but that we um, in our daily discipleship walk can also um, experience the transformational movement of um, encountering God. If that didn't turn out to be a timely, uh, a timely book, probably published just before all of this happened. Right. Yeah. Well, that is fantastic. Those are great recommendations. I uh, I look forward to you bragging online about beating Super Mario 2 again as an adult. <laughs> Brian and I have a friend who tells a story about she spent a summer just beating Zelda. So we, 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 we respect game, game respects game. Yeah. Jamie, thank you so much for, um, for your energy, intelligence, imagination, and love. Thanks for taking time. Uh, to share what you and your colleagues are thinking about uh, about this return, uh, we will we will pray for you by name, you and your colleagues, and uh, and boy, we just we just pray God's blessing over you. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. I enjoyed the chat. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>